us more. It's about time because we're going there. Hi, friends. Welcome back to another episode of We're Going There. I am your host, Bianca Waters-Oltoff. And you want to know something? I think it's high time that we talk about something in real time. Now, this show is called We're Going There. So let's do just that and let's go there. Now, if you have seen me online, you might have noticed that I have an inordinate love of makeup, jewelry, and a good set of lashes. Now, I want to blame my ostentatious Latina heritage, or maybe even my mom, who put on a good lash and mascara at the lovely age of 10 years old. Yes, she let me wear mascara at 10. And this started my affinity with a good lash, okay? But the truth is, getting ready to me feels like art. Now, I know, don't roll out your eyes, don't spit out your coffee, don't stop running on the treadmill, okay? But for me, I'm not saying it should be for everyone, but for me, to preen and primp is something that I love. But also hear me, I'm not saying it's needed. I'm not saying it's for everyone, but it is something that I want to address. But a lovely social media commenter decided that she was going to go through all of my photos and critique why I'm using filters and why I wear so much makeup and why I wear fake eyelashes. Let me just set the record straight here. It might look like I'm wearing a filter, but no, it's a good foundation, okay? Because like Jesus is the foundation of my life, I want no cracks in my face foundation either, okay? No cracks allowed. I love a good full coverage look. I know some of y'all wear bare minerals and like the natural look. I tend to lean towards snatural. That's when your face is snatched, but you're still looking natural. Glory to God, yes. I want to blink, and when I blink, I want you to feel the wind of the Holy Spirit blowing on you, okay? That's the Way I like my makeup. I like my highlighter to look like the glory of God is shining from my cheekbones. I like blush to look like I'm flushed from running my race towards Jesus. Hello. Now, somebody out there is going to feel me. And to that person, I say thank you. But today, we are going to be talking about the difference between vanity and maintenance. Yes. But in order for us to have this conversation, we need to go back about two decades ago. And let's start there. Now, when did I realize that there was a difference between the both? Well, junior year of high school, yes, just a few years ago, I was captain of the varsity soccer team and I was the type of player that was the first on the field and the last to leave. I mean, I was always encouraging my teammates. I loved playing on the team and come what may, rain, heat, or even high school heartbreaks, my goal was to lead the team very well. Now, our goalkeeper, her name was Teeley, Terry Lee, she had an idea after a three-game winning streak that we should stop shaving. Yes, I know. Okay, so she said, we've all been slaughtering the other teams, and I don't want to be superstitious, but let's just keep the pattern going by not shaving our underarms and not shaving our legs. Now, with state finals a serious possibility for this year, we all looked around and were like, okay, let's do this. We agreed that we were going to look intimidating. And by intimidating, I mean hairy. Okay, so three weeks into our Samson vow, as in not letting a razor come near us, that's some Bible jokes, guys. This is funny, okay? I saw our team bond over how long our leg hair had gotten and how frighteningly ugly we all looked. Coach Frank, who was my soccer coach in high school, pulled me aside and asked, why do all the girls look so slovenly? He then quoted Deion Sanders and told me, if you look good, you feel good. And when you feel good, you play good. In that moment, I just kind of paused and examined the team while we were putting away the equipment from the field, and I noticed that we look like creatures awakening from hibernation, like matted hair, dirty jerseys, and leg hair that we could possibly even braid. 
We looked rough. And I'm not talking in the athletic way. Quick to, of course, come to my team's defense, I explained our pack and believe that Coach Frank would give me a high five. Instead, he said that we looked horrible. He kind of whispered over me. He said, B, everything about you says something about you. If you don't take yourself seriously, no one else will. Perhaps it was not what he said. It was how he said it that jolted me out of cluelessness because in that moment, I saw our whole team differently. If we rolled up to our next game looking like prehistoric mastodons, we wouldn't look intimidating. We would look embarrassing. So after practice, I decided that we would all shave our legs, wear matching team bows in our hair, and have our jerseys properly cleaned. Now, I bring this up because as a pastor and as a church leader and as a church attender since literally my birth, the church is often quiet when it comes to addressing the importance of physical care. Now, when we do hear preaching about our physical appearance, the words shared are usually pulled out of 1 Samuel 17, 7, which says, people look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Oh, what a sigh of relief. What a comfort in a world that is constantly barraging men and women with the ideology that we will never be enough. It's God who looks at our hearts versus the number on the scale or even a bra size. Now, of course, what God told Samuel was true. God looks at the heart but it doesn't remove the fact that humans still look at what's on the inside. Rather than speaking about the physical appearance, now, please, I'm not a stylist, I'm not a fashionista, I leave that to the Instagram bloggers and the professionals. I'm not gonna talk about that. What I am gonna address is physical maintenance. So, pause for the cause. Let's understand what we're talking about here. There is a difference between vanity and maintenance. Uh, Take, for example, a car. Now, this is going to pertain to both men and women listening to the podcast right now. Let's just make this very simple. If you own a car, you know that there are certain things that have to be done regularly to ensure that a car will run properly. Tune-ups, oil changes, clean the filters. That's maintenance. But if you wanted the car to be extra, you drop the car, slap some rims on the tires, you tint the windows. Now, that won't improve how the car functions, It will only affect how the car looks. That's vanity. Vanity versus maintenance. Now, believe you me, I'm all for owning my shape and blessing my body, and I'm on a journey to literally hold on to this truth, declaring over myself that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. But we create a damaging narrative when we equate self-love and acceptance as an excuse to let ourselves go. Yeah. Whether it's living the mommy life, the single life, or of the I've stopped caring about myself life, we might need to have a conversation. Please know, please know, because someone out there is going to get their panties in a bunch, they're going to get upset, and they're going to say, this is culture speaking to the church, why are we listening to this? Listen, I'm saying this completely in love. This is also my opinion. I'm not standing behind a pulpit and saying this, I'm coming at you on the podcast and saying this, because... I need you to know that the words that I'm about to say are completely set in love. In addition to that, I'm going to buttress this with some Bible. Yes, I love some alliteration in the nation because the Bible does speak about taking care of ourselves in one of my favorite biblical stories. Now, if you know me, you can ask any of my friends or family or staff. The conversation I'm about to have with you is one that I've had before. And I'm discussing this not just to help you, but also to make you accountable. So you can never say that I didn't tell you. So... About a year ago, I had a chat with a young woman. I genuinely love this woman. We're gonna give her a fake name. We're gonna call her Stacy. Stacy was smart and educated, ambitious. She's goal-oriented. She was also single, working a dead-end job. 
I remember going to coffee with her and over coffee, she explained to me that she really wanted to step into adulthood with confidence, but she didn't understand why doors weren't opening. Now, as I listened to Stacy talk, me and all my multiple personalities were fighting against each other in my head, okay? The conversation went like, and please bear with me, as I have multiple things going through my head, multiple voices, multiple personalities. See, there's Kai Bianca. And Kai Bianca said, just listen to her and nod your head in understanding. Be gracious with her. Be in the moment with her. But Savage Bianca said, are you really not going to keep it real right now? Someone needs to tell her the truth. Someone needs to have an honest conversation with Daisy. But then there's Compassionate Bianca. And Compassionate Bianca said, she just needs someone to hug her and encourage her. And then there's Too Honest Bianca. And Too Honest Bianca said, she can't be taken seriously with that ketchup stain on her shirt because hand to heaven, friends, she had a ketchup stain on her shirt. But then there's Christian Bianca. And Christian Bianca says, Jesus loves her just the way that she is. And then Carnal Bianca was like, tell her no one is like Jesus and she needs to wash her hair. Okay. I just let you into the chaos that is in my mind, okay? So after about a half hour of listening to her, really, I'm gonna say this with love, but she was wallowing in her sorrow. The war waging within my mind was too much. And I just lovingly said what Coach Frank told me two decades ago. I told her, I said, Stacey, I'm gonna tell you what Coach Frank told me. Everything about you says something about you. And I was reminded of the words that my coach told me that if you don't take yourself seriously, no one will take you seriously. In confidence and in loving conversation, she explained to me that her life was so busy and she just wanted people to love her and accept her just as she was. Now, I paused and I affirmed that sentiment. I'm saying, absolutely, that's what we want. But I also explained to her that we have to put forth effort. Expecting or demanding to be accepted without effort is an unrealistic expectation. Not everyone is going to hire you. Not everyone is going to love you. Not everyone will want to be your friend. So show up at your best and slowly allow yourself to be vulnerable at your worst. There is beauty in reserve. Ever so lovingly and ever so gently, we began to discuss the importance of personal hygiene, dressing for the job that you want, and letting someone know that you're available and interested in dating. My sweet friend received these words and began to understand the difference between physical maintenance and vanity. So... This idea and this concept, I always want because I am a student of the Bible and also a Bible teacher and also a pastor, I'm always thinking, is this my carnal side or is there some biblical understanding to this? I went back to one of my favorite books of the Bible. It is a book entitled The Book of Ruth. Now, I've gone through The Book of Ruth. If you want a free Bible study on The Book of Ruth, I will send that to you and give that to you for F-R-E-E. Yes, friends, for free because I firmly believe in the message of this book and I believe that resources put in the hands of followers of Jesus can change their life. So that being said, Ruth, this character out of an Old Testament book, reminded me of a lot of my friend Stacy. Ruth was this woman who was so busy working and taking care of others that she's forgotten to put herself in her list of priorities. And I get it. It happens to the best of us. Yes, you, me, and including this selfless biblical character, Ruth. So a little bit of Bible history as we go through this. After a harvest season that came to a close, Ruth had been working in the field for months. And as harvest season was coming to an end, Boaz, her boss, and soon to be Boo, hosted what would be considered as the end of the year party. Now this is a big night for his workers to come and celebrate all the hard work that they've done in the field. Naomi, who is her mother-in-law and loves her, both of these women are bereaved widows. Naomi, her mother-in-law, sees her beloved Ruth wake up early, throw her hair in a messy bun, grab some barley toast, and she runs out the door into the field. 
Now, when she returns, it is late in the evening. She's exhausted. She is dirty. And she's probably smelling a bit ripe, if you know what I'm saying, okay? Now, with every rising sun and with every setting sun, Naomi realized that Ruth was getting older and she worried about her daughter-in-law. She's going to be left in a foreign country without a penny to her name. She started an honest conversation. I want to read it to you out of Ruth chapter three and just give you these three verses. One day, Ruth's mother-in-law Naomi said to her, my daughter, I must find you a home where you will be well provided for. Now, Boaz, with who's those women you have worked with, he's a relative of ours. Tonight, he'll be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. So wash, put on a perfume, and get dressed in your best clothes. Hold up. Pump the brakes. Did you catch what she said there? Don't miss the clear directive here, okay? Don't miss the directive in this text. Naomi instructed Ruth to take care of herself, and then she instructed Ruth to do these three things. I know, you're on a treadmill, you're driving, you can't write them down, but they're easy. When you get home, put a post-it note on your bathroom mirror as a reminder. This is biblical. Wash yourself. Yes, yes. Number two, anoint yourself. And number three, change your clothes. Now, that is my loose interpretation of it, but hey, get with it because we're going to dive into it. Now, as a reminder, and when you do the homework, you're going to love it, but Ruth had lost her husband. So maybe self-care began to deteriorate as a result of that experience of mourning. I get that. In any case, Naomi noticed and moved to give her daughter-in-law some necessary guidance. Now, I could take a moment to give you the laundry list of worldly beauty standards and expectations, but you've no doubt have heard too many of those already. Instead, let me expound, aka bianca Okay, I'm going to put a little zhuzh on this. I'm going to go into the text and massage the text with some details from my perspective. I understand that's not biblical. This is my perspective, but it's rooted in the scripture, okay? So you just listen to Ruth chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. She tells her to go bathe, to wash herself. So number one, wash yourself. And in my mind's eye, I can hear, you know, a good Hebrew mama. She's like, hoi vei, Ruthie, daughter. You smell like a fermented barley. You've been sweating all day. Go hop in the shower, shave your pits, and wash all your cracks. Right? I mean, that's the way I read my Bible. Okay, so for the young mothers out there or for the busy college students or the hustling women everywhere, can we just please make a pact to shower at least every other day? I know, I know. This might feel like a stretch for some. And it might be vomit-inducing to others who religiously bathe like twice a day and you're like, I can't even right now. But... Can we all agree to set a standard that might help our brothers and sisters set the hygiene bar high, all right? Listen, there's no judgment. I've said this before. I'm going to say it again. I don't want someone feeling judged. There's no judgment in this conversation. Life happens, and sometimes we're so exhausted that we are forced to decide, sleep or shower. Guess what? I've been there, and I don't always pick shower, okay? Can we be honest? Yes, yes. It's called We're Going There. The podcast is called We're Going There. Let's go there. So as you wrestle through this decision of whether sleep or shower, may I remind you that though your scent might be enjoyed by your significant others, musk and fermented cheese are acquired taste, just like our body odor. So be kind to everyone in the universe and make sure that you are odor checking frequently. Yes. Again, I don't say this to be judgmental. I say this because there have been days where I have gotten a whiff of a cross-country trucker and shockingly realize 
It's me. So for the sake of humanity and my pride, I shower every day. I keep breath mints or gum nearby, deodorant in my car, (laughs) and perfume in my purse. Legit hand to heaven. I also have perfume at church. Yeah, I know. Kind of obsessed. Lastly, for my sisters and myself who don't like to wash our hair every day, dry shampoo will only get us so far. Friends, friends, sis, stop believing the commercials. If people are concerned to light a candle around you for fear of your hair catching fire because it's so greasy, it might be a sign that your oily hair needs to be deep cleaned. So let's set the standard and shampoo our mane. All right, so number one was bathe yourself. Now it's anoint yourself. Okay, I hear I hear Mama Naomi. Here she goes. She's saying, Hoy vey, Ruth, I want you to smell like the rose of Sharon, like a lily of the valley. So go borrow some of my perfume. I use them for special occasions. Just a little dab behind your ear. All right. Why does this matter? Why is this important? Because in Hebrew culture, mourning over the death of a loved one would usually last 30 days. And it's shoshlim. That's the Hebrew word, you're welcome. Or shall I say, toda roba. Yeah. Okay. That's a little Hebrew for my friends out there. Okay. So during this period of mourning, the bereaved, the one in mourning, would wear mourning clothes. They don't use lotions. They don't use oils. They don't use perfumes. And they abstain from engaging in dating relationships. So while a month is customary, the practice can last up to a year. So after she's widowed, after she was in manual labor, there would be no doubt in my mind that Ruth would have been exhausted after working so many long hours in the field. We can assume that Ruth made no attempt to spruce herself up. Now, it's possible that Ruth just really needed a long bath and a little fragrance spray for a party. But maybe, maybe Naomi was releasing Ruth from her long time of mourning and giving her permission to love again. I don't know. I'll ask Ruth in heaven. Either way, Naomi encouraged Ruth to invest in some solid self-care. Don't believe me? Showering is a necessity, but perfume is a luxury. Mm, yes. Let me say that again because it is worth repeating. It was so nice, I must say it twice. Showering is a necessity, but perfume is a luxury. Naomi told Ruth to do both. There is nothing wrong with doing a few things to make you look and feel fabulous. As Naomi gave Ruth permission to be beautiful, I believe that we have that same permission. Remember, there's a big difference between self-care and being selfish. Now, social critics chide this generation, my generation, and the next generation for being obsessed with memes, avocado toast, and selfies. Self-care existed millennia before millennials did. Yes, ancient Greeks saw it as a way to make people more honest citizens who were more likely to take care of themselves. More recently, Gwyneth Paltrow, she's the founder of Goop, she said that caring for myself is not self-indulgence, it's self-preservation. Uh, there's this doctor I follow, Dr. Angela Bejeranu. I don't know if I'm getting her last name right, so I'm sorry, Dr. Angela. But she said in her article, Self-Care for Women, now, not later, she says that recharging is essential for men and women in their mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual well-being. That people who practice self-care suffer less from anxiety, depression, and stress-related diseases, including heart disease, the leading cause of death for women in the U.S., So before you bust out your credit card and break the bank on some nightly bath of pure Evian water, self-care doesn't mean that it has to be opulent. For Ruth, it was simply using some perfume. For you, it might mean going on a jog or getting a manicure or taking an indulgent soak in a hot tub, maybe even your own bathtub. Now, by and large, self-care is free. Sometimes we think like, oh, I don't have the money for that. No, it's absolutely free. Let's just take three simple ways that we could participate in healthy self-care for a minimal or nominal cost. How about this? 
be responsible for our bodies. That is zero dollars. That is taking the time to make sure that we're sleeping. It's eating nourishing food and it's exercise. You don't need a gym membership to go for a walk. Okay. So that's one, being responsible for our body. Another thing that we could do is we can just simply take care of ourselves. We can make our yearly physical. We can go to the dentist. We could take a bath, small things like that. And then the third thing that I wrote down that I think is important for us is to have compassion for ourselves. As in, we don't listen to the negative people or negative or critical self-thought. Those are all things that we can do that we can literally take time to be indulgent for ourselves. So number one, wash yourself. Number two, anoint yourself. And number three, change your clothes. Remember, we read it in Ruth chapter three. This is my B.I.V. Biancified version of this. But Naomi says to Ruth, remember that beautiful potty dress that you wore when you and my son would go out. Yeah, put that on. You're gonna look beautiful. So Ruth and Naomi not only had to go back to their hometown. Now, here's a little detail. I know if you're not familiar with the story, let me give you a little bit of details. They were living in a pagan city called Moab. They were going back to Bethlehem, which means house of bread. They're gonna be with their people. But there was no one to help them. They didn't have slaves or servants. The women were broke. Their husbands were dead. All their hopes and dreams were buried six feet under, three times over. Brother-in-law dead, husband dead, father-in-law dead. So I highly doubt that they were heaving giant wardrobe trucks across the desert back to Bethlehem. It's quite possible that Ruth was still in her mourning rags given the untimely and unexpected death of her husband. And at the very least, we can say that whatever Ruth was wearing was probably tattered from her long days working in a field. So sweating like a pig and working like an ox, Ruth had only been seen wearing her faded Target mom jeans, dirty New Balance running shoes, and a t-shirt she won at a carnival in Moab or something along those lines. I told you I was gonna put a little zhuzh to this, okay? Naomi knew that Ruth's standard outfit wasn't gonna do her any favors. So she wisely told Ruth to go ahead and get dolled up. In other words, care about your outfit. I'm just gonna say this and I'm gonna testify about the goodness of God. You do not need to be rich to look presentable. Yes, you don't need to be a baller to not look busted, okay? And I say this with authority and conviction because I grew up poor and never, ever, ever owned any designer clothing. I mean, who am I kidding? Almost everything that we wore was a donation or a hand-me-down. Yes, we were locals at our thrift store. Before going to the thrift store was like the hip and cool thing to do, right? It wasn't cool back in the day, okay? So it's not an excuse to look lazy or sloppy. Um, And also I was raised in a house where we could never look lazy and sloppy. Remind me to tell you about the time that I forgot to put lotion on my legs before we went to church. And as we were walking into church, my mom saw my ashy legs and she made me lick my hand and rub moisture on my legs and around my knees. See, my mama did not mess when it came to our parents, okay? And guess what? That was F-R-E-E, free, honey. So don't be intimidated by fashion bloggers or Instagram stylists, no. More than being opulent or excessive, be clean and resourceful. And I say this with conviction because when Matt and I got married, we were on a strict budget. I mean, listen, when you marry a missions pastor, you hear things like, Bianca, a designer bag is a want, not a need. Whatever, Matthew. Okay, so I had to go back to my roots and start living on a prayer. Hello, John Bon Jovi. He felt me. We were living on a very tight budget. We were living in a two-bedroom apartment and funds were very, very tight. So I was, I went back to my roots and I remembered three and simple, easy ways to live on a fashion budget. Number one, consignment in thrift stores. 
So I moved to a different city and after a quick Google search when we first got married, I found some great consignment stores and began donating old clothes and picking out new clothes for little to no cost at all. So if you don't know what a consignment store is, it's basically like a really fancy thrift store where you can sell items. You're welcome. One of my favorite handbags that I still use today is a Tom Ford steel that I found at a local consignment store. If you're patient, you can find some amazing bargains. Okay, number two, recycling. I know, bear with me, bear with me. So when I was single and my pockets jingled, um, I had more money to spend on clothes. When I got married, that budget was gone. I had a pair of really cute designer jeans that I bought when I was single, and it was totally impulsive, but no one was there to stop me. So I'm like, oh, whatever. Now, I love these jeans. And after years, y'all, years of wearing them, they remained in good shape, but their color had faded. So I decided, I don't want to get rid of these jeans. What am I going to do? On one trip to Target uh, and one bottle of clothing dye later, my jeans were a dark black color again. Voila, as the French say, good as new. All right. So recycling is part of staying on a budget. And also, also this one, this one's my favorite. Number three, confidence. There is no designer, no tailor, no whole couture gown that can make an insecure girl look confident. And let me tell you something, confidence is beautiful. Whether you are balling or on a budget, wear your clothes proudly. And if your body ain't like the supermodel that you want to look like, hey, own your curves. Even if all you got is a smile, grin wide, and sparkle, baby. You are a child of God with purpose for your life. Your confidence isn't going to come from a clothing label, a thigh gap, or a designer handbag. Hello. Your confidence will come in an understanding that it isn't what you wear, it's whose you are. So no matter what. You could steal my reminder that I stole from Naomi. Shower, shave, and sparkle. There is a difference between vanity and a difference between maintenance. And sometimes we can teeter on one or the other. But I'm just saying, be confident. Own what God has given you. And figure out the best way for you to be confident. For me, it's going to be a lovely foundation, a good set of lashes, and a little bit of dry shampoo. Don't tell nobody. All right, friends, I want to know, what are some secret makeup tips that you have? Um, hair hacks, designer places you can buy some clothes? Inquiring minds want to know. Will you tag me at Bianca Oltoff? And we were going to share some secrets. In fact, in fact, you know what? Okay, so producer David, you're going to have to make amends to this, but um, I think that we need to do something fun on social media. Okay, so I'm, I'm just getting this vision right now. What if we all shared makeup tips, you share them with me, and then it's a task. Like you give me a task of some of your like, like it, lump it, or leave it, and then we'll figure out what to do and share on social media. But I want to see what you're doing. Friends, I am so glad that you are part of this podcast. Thank you for just being here for some honest and open conversations. It's always so much fun to spend time connecting. And a shout out to the listeners that are tuning in and sending in their positive comments and reviews. And shout out to Donna Kirkwood, who had the chutzpah and the ganas, yes, to email in. I love her positive comments and reviews. And she actually asked me, it was a bold statement. I'm here for it, Donna. Donna wants to connect at a conference that I'll be at in March. So props to you. I love podcast listeners. And if it works out, Donna, we're going to make it happen. Also, shout out to Barbara Castillo. She commented about the New Year's podcast and her word for the year. I love it. I love it. I love it. To our podcast listeners, you can go ahead and send your comments, podcast suggestions to podcast at inthenameoflove.org. You can leave a positive review wherever you download this podcast, and you could subscribe to Access More or wherever you listen to your podcast. I love you, friends. Can't wait to connect next week.